Hello everyone, it is now 5pm on this Wednesday evening in Kingston and you're listening to CFRC 101.9 FM, www.cfrc.ca. Welcome to this week's segment of Today in YGK with me, your host, Alexandra Fernandez. Today in YGK brings you need-to-know news about what's going on right here in our beautiful city of Kingston. From current news, special segments, and interviews with some amazing guests, I'm sure you'll find something of interest that gets you to tune in. If you have any news to share with me, please contact me via email, which is news at cfrc.ca. So without further ado, let's get right into it. I hope you enjoy the show. Hi everyone, you're listening to CFRC 101.9 FM. Alexandra here, and I hope that your week has been great so far. We got just two more days until the end of the week in which we got a fun weekend ahead of us. The weather is supposed to stay sunny and warm all the way up until Sunday, so hopefully it just continues to do that, looking at my forecast. Hopefully you can get out and about now, especially that Kingston is officially in phase two of reopening since this past Friday. I know a lot of um, local businesses and, um, you know, the Cataraqui Center, hair salons, nail salons have all opened up, so I hope you've been able to enjoy the eased up restrictions, maybe visit a patio for some nice cold drinks on a hot summer's day. If you don't know, I actually broadcast remotely from the GTA, so I am incredibly jealous of all you Kingston folks who are in phase two. Since the COVID situation is not improving drastically like we'd prefer to here in the GTA, but there is talk of transitioning some GTA locations into phase two, so I guess that's some exciting news on my end, but I am waiting for the day that um, the greater Toronto area becomes a little bit more like Kingston with some new things opening up. Um, It's still been really, really cool to listen and hear about artists who have been still making music, art, writing novels, poems, all that cool stuff during isolation and quarantine and releasing some awesome stuff. And in fact, I'm just going to get right into it. There's a great band out in Winnipeg called Touching who have a project called Isolation Blues in which they're releasing a new song and music video every week for 10 weeks. The group has released seven new singles and music videos so far with three more to go, I guess. And today I have with me on air Michael Falk, who is described as the primary creative force and songwriter behind the group. Michael was the former frontman of Les Joupes and has worked in the Winnipeg art scene for many years as the artistic director at Current Festival, Jazz Winnipeg, and the Western Cultural Center. So let's welcome Michael to CFRC 101.9 FM. How are you doing today? Pretty good. Sitting on the edge of a park while my wife plays with my kid and uh, having a relaxing afternoon right now. That sounds really great. Is it about, um, is it 1 or 2 p.m. there in Winnipeg? Yeah, it's 2 o'clock. Okay, awesome. Um, so, yeah, I um, my music coordinator at the radio station said that um, the group was looking um, for some interviews about the um, the project, Isolation mm-hmm. Blues, and I thought that it was really interesting, and I've been focusing a lot on a lot of artists who have been trying to put out music and still be active during this time, so I thought that it was really cool what your group was doing, and I really wanted to talk to you about it. Awesome, thanks. 
Yeah, of course. Um, so if you don't mind, can we jump right into it? And can you tell us a little bit about yourself as well as the group and how you all were able to get together to create music with one another? For sure. Um, well, I've been playing in bands for a long time and in different, different, you know, and I was in a band called Les Jupes for years that toured all over and put some records and, and then kind of things slowed down on that front for a while for me and I started working at some music festivals and I, I run a recording studio in Winnipeg as well. And awesome. so, um, so I kind of just kind of had this, um, this bunch of songs start to take shape over the last few years and, um, my pal Alistair, who works with me at the festivals, kind of has become my creative right-hand man. And so we kind of putter away on these songs in the studio and and got a couple of friends that started joining us to play some other stuff on them. And, um, yeah, it kind of got to the point where, you know, we were kind of gearing up towards putting something out or making a record or, you know, um, and with this new project. But we hadn't really finalized on anything yet. just kind of had this massive material. And then the pandemic showed up and and it just felt like, you know, um a bunch of the kinda of looked at a bunch of the material and we had a bunch of songs that kinda of were about isolation and disconnection and struggling with mental health and and kind of things that everyone was now going through in some in some shape or form. And so it, it felt like it felt like a timely opportunity to try to get some of the music out into the world and then you know then we're like well how can we do this in a in a unique way and so we had this idea about making a one-shot video for each one um and uh without maybe realizing quite how big of a project that was to fight <laughs> off at this time but um yeah we uh um so i've got a filmmaker friend and an actress friend and they're both super talented and kind of do Pro, pro film and TV work here in town, and um, they had time now, and we're kind of super excited about it. And so we've been shooting a video or two every week, and that's awesome, yeah. Kind of doing these like super DIY video shoots that are kind of forcing us to, I don't know, forcing us to tell stories in a unique way with with the videos. And so that's been it's been fun to kind of roll those out each week and, and kind of see what you know, the location that we picked and kind of see what that forces us to do with our action. And, um, yeah, and that's uh, that kind of brings us to now. Awesome. And you said that you were, um, that you um, have like your own, um, was it produ like producing company, was it? Yeah, I've got a, um, I run a recording studio with two partners called Paint That's Recording. And right. so, yeah, so we, you know, between myself and the two partners, you know, a lot of a lot of records that come out of Winnipeg get made at our place, and um, it's, a, it's a fun studio to work at. And, and so we, you know, these songs are all made there, the paint box, um, kind of during during studio downtime. <laughs> yeah, and I was gonna ask, how do you use like all your previous experience, especially? I was reading up on the website bio that you also. Um, worked as the artistic director for some festivals and stuff. So how do you kind of yeah. use that experience and bring that into um, the group and what you guys create? I think for myself, it, um, it kind of has come down to what kind of stories I want to tell. And, mm -hmm. 
I kind of stopped touring and performing for a few years because I didn't, I didn't really have a good answer for that. And, and um, I think in the last little while that, that kind of revealed itself for me. And so I think, you know, with, with festivals and with the record label, you're always telling, you're telling the story of an artist and, and that artist's interaction with the world. And, and so with, with this project, all of a sudden it felt like it was really, made a really clear story that we could tell. And, and a way to do that with the videos and with the songs. And so, um, so I kind of made, it made some of those kind of creative decisions really easy when all of a sudden I was like, okay, well, how does it tie into the bigger, the bigger narrative? Right. Yeah. Um, awesome. And can you tell us a little bit more exactly about the Isolation Blues project and what it kind of means to you as well as the group and how that whole, um, process came about. I know you touched on it a little bit, but if you'd like to elaborate. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, the songs are, are pretty personal to me, and they, you know, they kind of came out over the last few years in various demos, and and then, you know, me and Alistair would start working them up, and then we'd call my friend Dave Plumberry to play my guitar keyboards. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, or my friend Sandy Fernandez, who would come and play some drums, and we kind of started working at the songs gradually. And, and so most of the songs were pretty close by the time, you know, by the time coronavirus showed up. But then, then Alistair and I had to kind of, I don't know, we kind of we joke about calling it the completion machine and we fired up the completion machine and made it work over time. And, and we kind of spent a few few long days kind of just trying to get all the, the songs kind of do, you know, record the last few bits and, um, and get the mixes up to speed and, and get them mastered up, you know, get someone to master them and, and kind of make sure that the music, you know, that we weren't going to release something that we weren't happy with. And, and right. so that, so that was kind of like a, um, you know, when the virus first showed up and I think we kind of hunkered down into the studio, um, as, you know, as safely as we could, <laughs> you know, have to yep. be conscious about like, you know keeping some distance between us and wiping mm-hmm. everything down and sanitizing and all that stuff. And, um, and you know, but we, we got the tracks done and then, and then the process for the video started. And, and so, you know, part of it was because this is going to be done, we we're going to shoot 10 videos, which is a lot. No mm-hmm. one, no one makes 10 videos yeah, <laughs> for a project. Um, you know, because we're going to do 10 of them, you know, and we basically have no budget. Like we're doing this super cheap. Um, and Tyler and Allie are being very generous with their time. Uh, mm-hmm. Tyler's the, film, the camera, the cinematographer, and Allie's the actress. And and they, you know, so we we took this decided to take this one shot approach, and where we would basically create a little drama for the camera, right? And so how mm-hmm. could we how could we tell a story? Um, and create some action that was meaningful and vibrant and narrative and connected to the music and have some emotional connection. How could we do all of that and and get it all in one shot or in one take as much as possible and see if we could make these videos? Um, you know, so what we're, we're, we're doing is kind of showing up on a location and usually kind of taking the first hour, hour and a half to kind of map out our action, mm-hmm. fine-tune, kind of fine-tune what Allie's character is going to be doing. You know, if there's any other characters, what are they going to be doing? 
Um, and so there's a lot of kind of collaborative improvisation with that. Right. And then, you know, then it's also sorting out what the camera is going to be doing and how how the camera will follow the action. And I think as the project has gone on, we've kind of gotten more and more comfortable with each other and with this way of making short films, essentially. And and we've kind of taken on some more and more elaborate um, elaborate shoots. And so, like, the one that just came out this last week for Born Lucky, um, we're in this tiny tiny theater that's in a museum in Winnipeg and you know like there's 12 seats in this theater um but we created like one two like like nine or ten action points within it and kind of have her kind of have Allie moving through all of these little parts of the theater that give us some different looks and different emotions and connect to different parts of the songs at different times mm-hmm. and and so it's a fun creative kind of filmmaking challenge as well so um I'm getting to learn a lot about directing and connecting with an actress to bring about a, bring out good performances and we're all just having a lot of fun just seeing what we can what we can kind of make on the fly and I, I feel really lucky that I've got two collaborators who are as talented as, as Tyler and Allie are because it definitely wouldn't be possible to pull this off with, with just anyone and um, yeah for the next one that's coming out this week we've got Kind of, you know, we convinced a mall that was shut down for the virus to let us bring mm-hmm. three skate to let us bring three skateboarders into it. Um, oh. so we got three people skateboarding through a mall and then interacting with Ali and we kind of got the kind of like the three the three spirits or the three Medusas or something for Ali. So it's um, so that one comes out on Wednesday. Um, and um, yeah, we just had a lot of fun with the filmmaking part of it. It's been a, a, a neat way to kind of embrace the limitations of the format that we're working with and kind of, you know, being able to then channel that into telling a story concisely. So, mm-hmm. I'm actually yeah. a film student myself and I was watching some of the videos um, that you've put out for this project. Um, and just the fact that you're able to do that like every single week is so impressive. Like I can't imagine how quickly it must all come together and also how in, how intense it could probably be at those shoots and editing and all that kind of post-production stuff. Well, the the beauty of it is that when you create a video this way, there's actually very little editing, right? Oh, true. If it's in um, one shot, yeah. Yeah. And so I think that was part of it was for, for Tyler. It's like, well, if we were going to bring Tyler onto this project, like, you know, we just, there wasn't the time or the budget to be able to say, Hey Tyler, let's shoot ten videos, and then you're also going to spend two days editing each one. Mm-hmm. You know, right. like it just it wasn't possible, and so so that kind of forced us into this one shoot, this one shot idea, and um, so it means that instead of picking, you know, kind of letting the the edit tell the story, we have to just nail it on screen, right? We right. Just, Allie has to nail it, and Tyler has to nail it, and if we've got any other people involved, they have to nail it. But it but it's always worked out, you know. Like I think we just we do enough takes that there's kind of with each one we've had two or three at the end. We're like, okay, it's one of these three, um, <laughs> and then it's just a matter of picking the take and and doing some color correction. And uh, so it's been it's been cool that way. It's it's really forced us to kind of we're living on the edge all the time, which is fun, and I think it brings out that little bit of adrenaline, brings out good things in performers. Um, you know, it brings up good things in musicians. And so I think to have our actress in that same situation where she's 
kind of just, you know, if she doesn't, if she doesn't get there, or doesn't nail it, or, you know, doesn't hit the mark on time, like that's, you know, then we start again, you know, so mm-hmm. um, it, it kind of forces everyone to kind of just kind of really be on and it's uh it's fun it's a it's a fun way to make movies <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah definitely different just um but really it can be really exciting for sure mm-hmm. um and obviously during a time like this still you're involved in collaboration um like you said with ali and tyler and stuff like that but with your band and producers label heads all that kind of stuff how do you consistently put out music during a time like this well i think you know um if I didn't already have a bunch of music close to ready, it wouldn't have been possible. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, you know, I think to, to start at zero um, would have been, you know, I'd, I'd just be sitting at home writing songs and then how do you work them up without kind of being able to bring people into the studio? And, you know, I think something we're really conscious of at the studio right now, especially with coronavirus, is like microphone safety, right? Mm, right. You know, if you're standing in front of a microphone like you're, whether you're conscious of it or not, to producing, you know, there's stuff coming out of your mouth. So, um, you know, how to keep all of that clean and safe is, is going to be a challenge for every studio. Um, and um, so I think, yeah, I, for us, it's been kind of able to kind of just take a project and pivot it within the pandemic. Um, mm-hmm. But if, if we were starting from zero, that'd be, I think it'd be really, really tough right now. And, um, I definitely, I mean, oh man, I feel for all of the musicians who lost tours and gigs and right. you know, I've, got, I've got a lot of friends and peers who, who've had like a year to a year and a half of work just wiped out. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, so I think that's a big reason why, you know, um, because we are essentially a new band, um, you know, outside of Winnipeg, no one knows us, or at least, you know, up until now, like, um, you know, for us, it, we're donating half of the money of any band camp sales and streaming revenues to to the um, Unison Benevolent Fund, because so they support musicians in, in times like this. And, and it, it just felt like, uh, for us, you know, we're new, and we didn't lose, you know, I didn't, we didn't lose six months or a year's worth of touring to the virus, right. you know. Um, you know, we lost work and some livelihood stuff in different ways, but not like our musician friends. And so I think for us, it, it just felt important to see if we could support them a little bit with this in, mm-hmm. in some way. And so, so yeah, if anyone's listening, um, you know, if you, if you buy the record on Bandcamp, half the money goes to musicians who've lost gigs. So that's... Uh, that was kind of felt like one of the ways that we could try to help out. Mm-hmm. And um, I know you just uh, mentioned a little bit of it, but if you don't mind elaborating on how the whole pandemic has impacted your work as an artist, either negatively or positively, um, up to you. You can take whatever spin on that. Mm-hmm. Well, I think um, I think it's because I got laid off from the festival I was at, um i've had time and so that it's allowed me to take on this project with the videos and finishing the music and so so for me personally it's kind of created a an opportunity and created an opening for um connecting to an audience and that that might you know that wouldn't have been the case if this hadn't shown up you know we'd still just kind of 
slowly putter away on the songs and maybe in a year we put a record out or something and 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 I think for for me and for touching like it's it's kind of been uh there's a weird kind of opportunity or door that has opened because of the virus and so um you know and that is definitely not the case for a lot of people I think I think a lot of musicians feel like doors are closing for them because of it and so I uh I definitely see that wholeheartedly and um yeah um and I think you know I think for um on the music side of it like you know we've got more we got more music in the you know in the hoppers so depending on how things last like you know we might put out another another record or two in the next year you know we've got mm-hmm. enough material to to keep going here so um I don't see myself taking on another 10 video project again <laughs> um, <laughs> Fair enough. but uh but I think I do like I do really like that we've kind of been able to establish touching as a project that that uses video creatively and can can tell some stories in a in a in a hopefully meaningful and connective way you know I think we really wanted to be emotionally real with the the project and mm-hmm. um yeah awesome sounds really great um and I guess um how can people support artists during a time like this, even if we can't go out and physically support you? What can we do online to support the community? Well, I think um, buying music and buying merch is the is the best way. So, um, you know, if you're gonna and if you're gonna buy a record off of someone, buy it from their website, buy it from their Bandcamp. Uh, the artist sees the most share of that revenue. Uh, if you buy it through Apple or through an online retailer like Amazon or something, the artist sees a lot less. So I think first first option is always to just buy through the artist's website or buy through Bandcamp. Um, and then, you know, and then second best way is to buy through other online retailers. Um, and streaming, you know, I think it's pretty well. We all know that streaming doesn't pay at this point. Um, mm-hmm. But if, you know, but if you are, you know, everyone's budget is limited. So if you're going to stream a bunch of stuff, and also, like, put it in some playlists, you know, make some playlists with your friends' bands in them. Um, and that helps other people discover that music and and spread those playlists around and, and just kind of help facilitate music discovery with your with your friends and, you know, just keep sharing music and, and then you get more people listening to it. And so um, I think that's, you know, that's always been, that's always been the way music communities have worked, right? We, you know, we share the music we love and we share the music of our friends and, and uh that's that helps people get into other people's ears and then you make yeah, them sure. so. yeah awesome um does um touching have any like upcoming online events in the works or anything um we've shied away from doing any sort of live performance at this point um so i think we're going to we're going to hold off on any sort of online streaming show yet we're going to we're gonna stay as a as a video project for now. Um, mm-hmm. You know that might change. We'll see. We'll see what like kind of like the next album brings and what the rest of the pandemic brings. You know, I think we've still got you know most likely a second wave to go through in fall or winter. And right. Yeah. Maybe a third wave after that. Like if, until there's a vaccine or treatment or it runs its course. Or like you know, this is this is gonna be a long long process here and so i think mm-hmm, definitely you know so at least for 
you know, at least for us with touching, I think we'll we'll just kind of take it as it goes and and keep finding, try to find unique ways to connect with people through it and and um, and share some music and hopefully, I don't know, hopefully, yeah, be able to connect with some folks. Yeah, for sure. Anything else that you'd like to add before we end off? Oh, just that Kingston is beautiful. I love it there. It's, uh, I like your town. <laughs> thank <all>. you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Um, but also, thank you so much, um, Michael, for coming on air to talk about um, your, the group Touching and um, this awesome isolation project that you guys have been working on. So seven songs and music videos down and three more to go, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. thanks so much for having me. Yes, of course. It was great speaking with you about it. My pleasure. Anytime. Thank you. Have a good rest of your day. Yeah, you too. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, that was a great conversation that we had with Michael Falk from Touching, a group based out in Winnipeg. We're now going to listen to one of their songs. It's called Oh General. Hope you enjoy here on CFRC. a ghost floating through their morning just thinking about their money how was I to know caught up in your show now there's cracks in the corner of the TV globe wonder what everybody knows general general I don't want 
listening to CFRC 101.9 FM that was O General by the group Touching in which we just interviewed Michael Falk who is a member of the group. We're just going to jump right into the local news. So let's get to it. As I mentioned at the beginning of the show, City of Kingston is um, moving into stage two of the framework for reopening um, as instructed by the Ontario province. Um, but exciting news is that um, some awesome amenities will be ready for residents to enjoy by Canada Day, which is not too far away. It's crazy how fast July is approaching, um, but some of the amenities that the city plans on having ready for Canada Day are splash pads and beaches, including Breakwater Park and the Gord Edgar Downey Pier, which is um, incredibly popular, especially amongst all our young folks who live in the city and stuff like that. Lainey Hurdle, um, who is the CAO of the City of Kingston, says that the provincial regulations clearly define what is required by businesses and municipalities to safely reopen, such as recommended gathering sizes and cleaning regimens. We appreciate the patience of residents as we carefully review the implications of what Kingston will look like in the weeks ahead. City staff is considering public health risk as well as financial implications of operating larger recreation amenities such as aquatic facilities and they are doing this to consider which amenities will actually be opened during stage two. Things are slowly opening but some time is still needed to prepare certain sites and so that way they line up with public health guidelines and so that staff and amenity decisions and services can also be made accordingly and with the right decisions. Um, a lot of decisions will be made in consultation with the Kingston Frontenac Lennox and Addington Public Health Organization and residents should expect that their experiences may look and feel different once other municipal amenities reopen during stage two. There is a special council meeting scheduled for June 23rd and city staff will be um, providing more details on the reopening of these municipal services at this meeting. So if you go to the City of Kingston website, which is just cityofkingston.ca, you can find the meeting details and you can sit in on council meetings, which is great. City staff has refined the road and lane closures that were planned for the downtown core in order to make space for Love Kingston Marketplace. Um, which will be taking place over the next several months. This is a hub for new creative experiences to rejuvenate the downtown core. Um, the Love Kingston Marketplace will take shape during the week of June 22nd, so this upcoming Monday. And what you can expect during this time is that necessary traffic control measures will be installed during this one week. Um, and hopefully, it will open come the following week in which I believe is June 29th. So the different changes that are being happening that are happening um, in the downtown core is that Brock Street will be reduced to a single travel lane from Ontario to Wellington. The King Street intersection will remain open for traffic traveling along King Street. Clarence Street will see some existing on-street parking repurposed to accommodate a lane shift, Market Street will be fully closed, and Princess Street will be reduced to a single travel lane from Ontario to Division, and um, Cross Streets will remain 
open. But this is super exciting um, because not only um, does this mean that things are changing and more things are opening, but it creates more space for pedestrians and it um, is allowing businesses in the downtown core to have more opportunities to connect with clients, um, especially once recovering from this post-COVID situation. If there are any lovebirds listening who have plans to tie the knot, I have some great news for you. The City of Kingston is reintroducing the marriage license application process now that things are easing up in the city. Obviously, because of COVID-19, a lot of municipalities across the province suspended issuing marriage licenses. Um, however, now that we are entering phase two of the provincial framework for reopening in Ontario, um, the city of Kingston is reintroducing this service and it's only open to residents of Kingston at this time. Um, there are different changes that have been made to the process in order to protect staff and residents. Um, and couples are required to pre-book appointments. So if you know yourself or you know anyone else who is interested, um, visit the City of Kingston Marriage License page and you can also call 613-546-4291 extension 1270 and they're just going to help you um, through a few easy steps, help you book your appointment. Um, right now they're only being scheduled for Tuesdays and Thursdays and obviously physical distancing measures will still be in place when residents arrive for their appointment at City Hall. There are sanitation processes that are in place to ensure public health and safety. The City of Kingston has deferred its final property tax bill in order to offer some relief to those who are property owners who may need it because of COVID-19. Um, they have the manager of taxation and revenue for the city has said that you haven't missed it. Um, they just haven't sent out the final property tax bill in order um, because of the financial hardship that many property owners are facing during the pandemic. The revised billing schedule is still being determined and as soon as it is, as it is available, dates will be shared. The city of Kingston is releasing the final design of Highway 15 and Gore Road intersection, providing residents an opportunity to look at the future design of the intersection and ask questions of the project team, which is being led by the third crossing team. The final design, which focuses on active transportation, provides an increase in features for cyclists, pedestrians, and transit users. In September 2019, the third crossing project team provided a draft concept design of Highway 15 and Gore Road um, of that intersection. Um, since then, there's been a lot of citywide decisions based on the interests surrounding climate change and sustainability, which have um, inevitably influenced the final design. And you can actually view the final design and ask questions of the team for two weeks on the City of Kingston's Get Involved website from um, June 15th, so starting Monday, so it's open now until June 29th. The final design of the intersection prioritizes the increase of pedestrian facilities with additional sidewalks and pedestrian refuge at all four corners. It also makes it safer for cyclists with the creation of off-road cycling facilities and cross rides so that bicyclists can move through the intersection easier. 
It provides more travel options by using a multi-use pathway for multimodal users um, on both Gore Road and Highway 15. It expands the transit infrastructure in all directions by allowing transit queue hopping and providing bus stops at the intersection in all different directions. And it supports various methods of commuting around Kingston, which encourage sustainable transportation, which is awesome. This weekend, the Skeleton Park Arts Festival is kicking off and actually kicks off tonight with some awesome online events. Today at 7 p.m., there's an online film screening of Keyboard Fantasies, which is a documentary film on the life of trans elder musician Beverly Glenn Copland. If you visit skeletonparkartsfest.ca, you can find the event on their website and directions on how to join the screening. There is also a virtual open mic night tomorrow at 7 p.m. that you can check out. And there are performances all weekend long in collaboration with the Bally Tobin Festival that is being held at the Isabel Bader Center for the Performing Arts. There are also some great in-person exhibitions going on, so please sit in on this interview that I had with Greg Tilson, Artistic Director of the Skeleton Park Arts Festival, and learn more about the awesome festival weekend ahead of us. First, welcome to CFRC. As released last week, like I mentioned, we found out that um, staff won't be um, running as usual this summer, I should say. Um, but you do have um, some plans to have some virtual programming, but you also so that you also have some in-person programming. So I was just wondering um, what exactly are your plans and what will kind of be available to audience members? Right. So. Um... Yeah, I mean, we we've been working closely with with uh, the the city of Kingston and and the the events office and um, local public health, you know, just to make the 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 health of of residents and artists and our volunteers, uh, you know, the priority. And mm -hmm. so um, we've been getting a lot of support and, and um, from from these types of organizations, the, the Kingston Arts Council. And so, you know, like all other organizations in Kingston and across the country and around the world, you know, we're 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 just doing our best to 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 continue to try to fulfill our mandate considering the circumstances, you know, right. like in light of social distancing and and so, um, you know, there's there's a lot that we can still do, you know, like we we created a, a neighborhood newspaper. Um, and uh you know during during uh the initial stages of of the social distancing and 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 people being isolated into their homes we were able to distribute the newspaper to like over 4000 people throughout the neighborhood um oh, you know cool. Canada Post delivered it door to door right and so that's something we're like okay we can do this we can do print media um you know we were we're still able to do like really intimate pop-up performances in the street. There's an in initiative that the, the McBurney Park Neighborhood Association and the festival have been doing called Neighbors at Noon. And it's really simple. All you do at noon is you go out onto your front porch or your front stoop or your sidewalk and just kind of say hello to your neighbor. Just just like that simple act <laughs> of like engaging with people that live near you. Mm -hmm. And so we've just enhanced that a little bit by sending over, you know, Spencer Evans on his clarinet uh, to do a little, you know, add a little music to that. And, and that's been really well received. So it's just a way for the festival to continue to pay artists um, 
um, and and kind of engage the neighborhood in really simple ways. Uh, so we're we're continuing to do these type these type of pop up performances, which in, in the streets, right, which is similar to to our our porch jazz that we've done for many years now with the festival. And we're we're creating um, a neighborhood art exhibition. So okay. um, in partnership with a union gallery, um, it's called Next Door. And we're we're hiring professional artists throughout the neighborhood. And there's a lot of them uh, to install um, uh, their art on on their you know their in their front windows and doors and, and front yards and um, that will be uh, launched during the time frame when our festival would have happened, like June 17th to 21st. Awesome. So, so again, you know, like we're out, it's spring, it's, you know, summer's on the way, we're out walking. So this is a way to turn the neighborhood into a gallery. And, and you know, the galleries are closed, like Union Gallery's closed, Agnes is closed. So instead we're, we're featuring some of the Kingston's best artists just on your walks through the streets, right? So that's another example of, we're still doing the online stuff, you know, like we're gonna be featuring um, many uh, of our festival artists um, live streamed from the Isabel main stage um, during that festival timeframe. Um, we're doing um, online coffee houses in partnership with the Elm Cafe. So that was a, a you know, like a, a, an open mic type format that happened at the cafe. And mm -hmm. now we're doing it through Zoom. So, you know, people are performing live from their living rooms and it and it's really interactive and personal and intimate, all these things that I you know, I think that are are key to the spirit of the festival. Yeah, that sounds really awesome. And I love the idea of like having all these different paintings and artworks just like on our porches and balconies. It's gonna like totally transform the city and I think that that's a really awesome initiative. I I really like that, yeah. Cool. I'm glad you approve. <laughs> Um, and in terms of um, the in-person and even um, the online events that you're hosting, how can um, people who want to participate and view these kinds of stuff, how do they get access to um, the online events that you have? And in terms of the in-person art exhibit, for example, how will you kind of monitor social distancing um, so that people are still able to come out and enjoy it? Yeah, good questions. Um, uh, the first part of your question, I think the easiest way to access um, the online components of our programming um, is just to go to our website, skeletonparkartsfest.ca. And um, the assistant director, Neil Bettany, has done a fantastic job, um, you know, keeping the information uh, updated on our website about all of the different programming uh, we've initiated the revised festival in light of the pandemic, and it's it's really easy to read and navigate. Um, he just posted this this artist residency that that we initiated with with John Clater, the visual artist, and what he's doing through Zoom is he's interviewing people throughout the neighborhood, and then creating visual art like uh, storytelling through visual art and portraits and kind of telling stories in a unique visual art kind of way. So that's all up on the website and how you can access all of this programming is up on the website. But in terms of the in-person, you know, maybe for people that don't have computers or, or just aren't as comfortable with that type of um, interacting, we're going to be having signage throughout the neighborhood. And when I say the Skelton Park neighborhood, like 
in general, it's kind of like north of downtown, like, you know, the, the, the east side being the Cataraqui River, the west side being Division Street, and kind of mm-hmm. extending into the north end, like, you know, concession, John Counter kind of thing. Right. And so, yeah, I think like postering, signage, um, um, this type of communication, the newspaper, which was delivered door to door and also like in little you know, little public libraries boxes on people's front lawns, those free libraries, you'll find the newspapers in there. So it's just, you know, there's there's ways to communicate uh, beyond the computer. Um, and so, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to we're going to do our best to to use the same language and um, to use the same uh, kind of direction that public health is giving us in terms of how to uh, encourage safety right during mm-hmm. yeah. um uh, to prevent the spread of covid-19 so we will have that on on all our print materials on all our website and and our volunteers that are out and about will will be will be helping people to follow those guidelines that sounds really awesome um and in terms of um the whole experience of you know taking you know planning um for staff for this past year and stuff, moving all these parts of the festival online and kind of adapting to everything um, in a short amount of time. Um, what has that whole experience been like and what has it taught you perhaps about the future of what the festival could be? Like, would you consider maybe online events again in the future um, to make it accessible to people who can't attend or any of the new ideas that you've come up with? Yeah. Well, this this is the exciting question, Alexandra, and and you know it's it's such an unusual time. It's such as mm-hmm. an extraordinary time, and of course, during times like that, there's there's so much opportunity. And yeah, you're right. Like the learning that's going on, uh, just with re- your reference to to accessibility, is is tremendous. You know, like um, the way that we can provide programming online for people with mobility issues or like that you know just can't access some of the traditional venues around town that the average person can it's you know there's great great opportunity happening so that you know that's positive right there's some really cool stuff that we hope to continue beyond um the social distancing measures and and so so you're right there's there's like a great opportunity to to broaden audience to like connect more people um as we as we get through this right mm-hmm. and i think the learning for me you know during this is i th- i think as a festival like you know we talked about this, this is kind of our 15th anniversary right um and 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 so what what a what a what a great time to reassess and what a what a great time to kind of look back at at what we've achieved over the years and i i think you know not unlike um many other parts of our society uh i think we want to we want to get back to our roots and and simplify a little bit you know and 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 i think we want to we want to focus on on the relationships in our neighborhood in our community uh with our artists with our volunteers and and it's a great time just to kind of step back and and simplify things a little bit I think that's really positive, um, you know, because you can kind of, like many of the funding models um, with 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 arts grants and that kind of thing, and capitalism in general, you know, this can, there can be this like exponential growth that's like 
spiraling out of control. And that can happen in the arts community too, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's just helpful for me who I can, you know, I can get caught up in numbers and an audience and, you know, like what we're programming and how many people we're reaching. And this is just a great opportunity just to like, I don't know, just, just to like get back to really simple, like the value of, of relationships, like kind of like the quality of the relationships that we're building right. uh, with what we're doing. And, and so that's, that feels really good, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like on a personal level that it feels good just to like say, you know, we can do really simple things. We can like strip down our programming into the streets and, you know, cafes and churches and, you know, schools and just kind of go back to our roots. And that's okay. You know, like the pandemic may, may force us to do that. And that could be really positive just to like reestablish some of those relationships. So I'm excited about that. And I, and I think there's great opportunity that, and that kind of mentality can, can extend beyond arts communities um, just in terms of how we live our lives and, and maybe simpler ways that's, that's better for everybody. Yeah, that sounds like a, yeah, that's a very profound way of looking at it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what I'm going with, Alexander. That's, you know, yeah. like we're, we're we're flying by the seat of our pants here, and and uh, we're just doing what we can. But but uh, yeah, you know, and, uh, like they say, in in crisis, there's opportunity, and there's great there's great learning opportunities here. Mm-hmm, for sure, and yeah, definitely. Like now that you don't have to focus on all these other aspects of it as much. Um, per se, you can really just get down to the root of the festival itself and really what um, everyone's there to enjoy and what they're there to do. So that's really great that you're able to have that outlook on it. Um, yeah. Um, is there anything else that you would like to add um, before we end off? Oh, well, <laughs> I mean, those are pretty lofty thoughts. I mean, I mean, the reality of uh, of, of this is that, um, you know, artists are having a hard time. <laughs> like, yeah, definitely. When, in terms of, like, paying people, like, we're doing our best to continue to pay artists. And uh, my heart goes out to, 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 you know, these artists that are trying to, like, figure out how to move forward, you know. So as much as I can, like, philosophize about, about how – we can change in really positive way here. Ways here, it's 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 really hard to to consider how artists are going to move forward and make a living. So I mean, we'll we'll do our best to work with them with that. And and again, I think it you know it does get back to relationships and and how to work together. And yeah, I think the only other thing I would I would mention is that the other opportunity that's happening here is is partnerships. You know, like Kingston's. Kingston, uh, uh, um, you know, for many of us, it's it's like a town, right? It's it's mm-hmm. like in compared to Toronto, Montreal, New York, and it's a town. And and we're we're we we all know each other here, and and there's great opportunity just to like rally together and help each other out. And that goes for the arts community, the artists, the arts organizations, and and that's definitely happening. I'm feeling that, and mm-hmm. and so that there's a lot of strength in that, and so. Um, yeah, I would just encourage everyone to just to focus on that, you know, like let's help each other out and, and, uh, and we'll get through this. And, uh, and I guess on behalf of the Skeleton Park Arts Festival, I, I just want to thank everyone for, for their continued support and, 
and sticking with us as we as we try to figure this out together. And and yeah, and thanks to CFRC, you guys are doing a lot of cool cool stuff too, like on the fly here with this pandemic and and um, you know with theater and and all kinds of different arts forms um, using using radio as this as this really empowering tool to communicate and connect people. So thank you to CFRC for all the you know all the great work you're doing right now during this difficult time. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, yeah, but no, that was, that was really, really well put. Can, Kingston has such a vibrant arts and culture community, and it's something that like I instantly fell in love with when I um, start when I moved for because I study at Queens, and when I started like exploring more of the city, going to open mic nights, and you know, mm. listening to all these local musicians. It's just really nice to see such a not only just such a vibrant and engaging community, but also one that's so supportive of all the different people who kind of work yeah. um, together and stuff. I've never seen anything like it before. Totally. I had the same experience, Alexander, when I came, uh, uh, you know, just kind of, it's the kind of city that can really embrace you and, and, you know, make you feel part of something. But yeah, yeah, I just encourage everyone to to check out the, the festival website, skeldonparkartsfest.ca to to get in touch with what we're up to. And thanks so much for your interest. I really appreciate you helping us to get the word out. Yeah, of course. No worries. I'm glad to have been able to do this and that we were able to connect and find a time to talk. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, great. Okay, Alexandra, thanks a lot for your, for your uh, you know, for reaching out. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much again. Hope you okay. have a good rest of your day. <laughs> Thank you. You too. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, that concludes today's episode of Today in YGK. I hope that you enjoyed today's conversation, whether you're right here in Kingston or listening from elsewhere. And I also hope that you have a fun and sunny-filled weekend. If there's any local news to share, please be sure to send myself, Alexandra, an email at news at cfrc.ca. I hope you have a great rest of your day. I'm going to play some Coldplay right now. This is Yellow. Just been really into the song, and I hope that you enjoy. This has been Today in YGK with Alexandra Fernandez, airing every Wednesday at 5 p.m. You're listening to CFRC 101.9 FM. Take care.
Thank you for listening to Today in YGK, produced with the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences at CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario, on the traditional lands of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples.